0: Romans six, sixteen through seventeen. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. You may be seated. If you are visiting with us today, let us say how proud we are to have you here. Hopefully you have gotten one of those visitor's packets that were passed out this morning. If you have, as you looked inside there, you saw an attendance card. If you'll pass that card to those aisles at this time, I have some gentlemen coming through who will grab those up for us. That will give us a record of your attendance. We're grateful that you are here and... Let me be at least one of the first to invite you to stay tonight. This begins our VBS. Normally, our foyer does not have a tent in it, but we will for this week. So come and find out what that tent is about, and we will be studying uh, from the New Testament in our uh, VBS this week. We should have a lot of fun Uh, For you who might be younger, there might be some incentives this week that you uh, be the quietest or the cleanest or maybe you have the most in your class or even the most visitors. Uh, So let's start working toward those goals also. If you have a friend, bring, bring him or her with you. It'll be a great time. You guys will certainly enjoy that. I had an opportunity... I guess, 14 days ago from now to work for a week at the Indian Creek Youth Camp with some of our uh, youth group, and we had a wonderful time like we always do. Usually, I am one of the uh, counselors for the 7- and 8-year-old boys. I like those boys. Here's why I like them. If you're good at convincing people to take a bath, you pretty much got it made, because they'll do anything else you want them to do, and they go to bed early. So we, I like all of that. This year, I got moved up, which I thought was going to be very detrimental. And I got moved up to the 9- and 10-year-old boys, which happened to be just those 7- and 8-year-old boys just across the, the way there. And so they kind of knew what was expected. If you'll listen to those 9- and 10-year-old boys... They'll teach you a lot as you go and work with them at camp. Uh, They'll ask all sorts of questions from the Bible and and then some that are not. And throughout the week, you're going to hear this phrase somewhere. I heard it in the mess hall on, uh, I guess it was Wednesday afternoon after lunch, we were assigned to clean Uh, any kind of mess that would be there, clean it up for the next meal. One of the boys looked at the other and said, carry this over to the window for me. The other little boy said, I am not your slave. And I said, huh. Sounds about right. That little boy is only accustomed to what he knows from our nation's history in slavery. Our nation's history in slavery is not a great thing. In December of 1865, there was a president who was uh, in, in office at that time. His name was Abraham Lincoln. He signed an a, uh, emancipation proclamation uh, that emancipated or freed the slaves that were in the south so that they did not have to continue to live underneath uh, those oppressive uh, ideas. And this little boy only thought and only knew about the oppressive ideas of our nation. And so he thought the older or the other boy was oppressing him. You know, the Bible doesn't speak about slavery that way. It's interesting how the Bible will take certain aspects of life and everyday life and, and compare it to the Christian life. We see soldiers of Christ arise and we think, yeah, we could be a, we could be a soldier. That's a, that's a noble calling. And you will say, teachers and preachers, y'all, I could do that. You see, those who are the bride of Christ, I I could be that. I could be the one that Christ loved. You see, those who are elect, and you think, that means God chose me. And we seem to skim over the plethora of verses that say, be a slave. I'm here to tell you today, the Bible will constantly tell us you're going to be a slave to something. Something, someone, some idea, some habit, some desire is going to be your master. But good news, good news. You get to choose what it is. You get to choose what will be your master, and you have that option even today. Turn in your Bibles and turn over to Exodus chapter 21. I want you to notice, first of all, that slavery in the Old Testament was much different from the slavery found in the United States in the 17 and 1800s. Slavery that was found in the Old Testament and underneath the Old Testament principles had everything to do with seven years. If you can put seven years in your mind, then you have it. You were allowed as a Jew to keep a slave, whether he's a Jew or a Gentile, for seven years total. Generally, they were working off some debt. We notice them in our uh, nation's history known as indentured servants. Perhaps those men or women who were looking to come over from England to America to have the American dream and they couldn't afford a way to get here. Someone would pay their way and they would come over work for a few years on their farm or whatever and then that would pay the debt off that would have cost them to get over. Exodus chapter 21 deals with with the idea of slavery as mentioned with the, with the Jew. And I'd like for you to notice the if-then statements that are found here. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou by a Hebrew servant, six years shall he serve, and the seventh year he will go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself... He shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife will go out with him. If his master had given him a wife, and she also bore sons and daughters, the wife and the children shall be the masters, and he shall go out by himself. It's very plain statements. If, if you become a slave to a, or a servant to a man, you can serve six years, but on that seventh year, you're going to be released. There is a an ending point, point. and if you came in alone, and if you stayed in that position, then you'd go out alone. If you came in with a wife, then you, you'll go out with your wife. They don't have the the right to break that marriage up. But if you came in and your wife, your your uh, your master provided a wife, and from that you had children, then. That wife is still his property, and she's going to stay, and you can go. Let me ask you a question, gentlemen. Would you go? Would you leave her? I see some of you smiling. Would you just leave her there? No. No. And notice what he says after that. You can leave or you can go. And then, if the servant shall plainly say, now, now, here's something that would fly in the face of history of our country as we know it. If the servant looks and says, I love my master. There's a statement there of how this person's treated. Statement there of how, is is this work going to be hard? Probably, but isn't work hard anyway. Here you have a treatment of a man to another man who's not treating him poorly. He's not in the same way that you and I think about slavery in our nation. This man says, I love working for this guy. I enjoy this life. All the things that I have, have been provided, and, and, and I can't think of anything better. If he says, I love my master, if he says that plainly, and my wife, and my children, and then his statement is, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave. I want to stay here. Well, there's a whole different problem, isn't it? It's not a man who, who is being forced to stay here. This is a man who wants to stay here. Then... If that's the case, then, verse 6, his master will bring him to the judges. Those who sit at the gate, those who make uh, judgments against the law and against people. You know, if you have a problem uh, with a neighbor and, and perhaps uh, he's building a fence right on your land, it's, it's definitely on your land. And so, in this day, you would go to the to the. Court or to the gates of the, the facility and the gates of the city there, and you'd say, Listen, this guy is building a fence on my land. And then they would look at the land, and they would go, You are. You're either gonna to have to buy the land, and if he doesn't want to sell it, you're gonna to have to move the fence. These are these same judges who look at it against the law, and he's going to say that same thing even to these judges: I want to be here. I want to be with this man and his family. So he brings him to the judges, and he shall also bring unto him, to, him a, to a door, and then to the post of a door. And he's going to take one of those things that you see right there on the screen. That's an uh, in the King James version, that's called an awl. A w l. He's going to put that gentleman's head right up against that doorpost. And he's actually going to make a hole through this portion of the ear. This portion. Not the lobe that we think of so much, but the the exterior portion of the ear with that all. So it's going to be very recognizable to everyone who sees him. This man's a slave, and he chose to be there. Now, if you see that guy who has a hole punched out in his ear... You're obviously going to look at him first and say, that guy is is a servant. But followed up with that statement must be the statement, and he chose that lifestyle. That's what he wanted. He didn't want to go free. He didn't want to leave a family or not. He didn't want to leave that family who owned him or not. He wanted to stay there. He liked it. That's much different from the ideas of slavery in our history. How many of the slaves in the history of the United States do you think would ever say, and I want to stay here? But here you have the proper treatment from one person to another, and that, that slave say, I want to stay there. What a great idea that leads us into this. You're going to be a slave. You're going to be a slave, period. And the slavery that the New Testament speaks of is something called a doulos. A bond servant. uh, An indentured servant, as you and I understand that. This is a man who is required to pay back a debt that cannot be repaid, ever. If I were to live to be a thousand, and if I were to work every day of that thousand years for my master to pay off the debt, I wouldn't be any closer than I would be on day number one. It's a man who cannot pay this debt off ever. This is the term that is used time and time and time again. Matter of fact, it's used 127 times in the New Testament to describe the Christian and God. Now, when you look in, in uh, passages like Acts 2 and Luke 1 and 1 Timothy there, uh, what you'll find is references to handmaidens and, and, uh, and, and male slaves and those kinds of things. This is not the idea. The, that idea are those who are going to be slaves who have that opportunity to leave. The one that we find in Romans chapter 6, verses 16 and 17 that we read just a moment ago, in Romans chapter 6, verse 19, is this servant who cannot pay off this debt. And this is the servant that you're going to be. This is the one you're going to be in bondage to. This is the one that you are going to choose, and you get that opportunity to choose today. What a great idea. Look over at Romans chapter 1. It's interesting how Paul begins his letters most of the time. He's going to begin them the same way. Let's get over to Romans. I know I've got Romans in this Bible, don't I? Romans chapter 1, verse number 1, Paul a loss of Jesus Christ, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, a servant who can never repay the bill of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel. What's he talking about when he writes those things? Is that just a poetic way to call himself a Christian? It sounds really good. It sounds sounds real, really humble, doesn't it? It's not not the sound of what's being said. One, this is given to him by the inspiration of God. But secondly, this is how he thinks. God paid a debt for me that I cannot pay. Why does he think that? Well, what is the debt that was paid? The debt was for sin. And we understand Romans chapter 6 verse 23 that the wages of sin are death. So if... If Paul would have simply died, he would have only paid the amount he should have paid. He wouldn't have paid the debt off. It's necessary that someone die for him. And he's indebted to that with his life. He has chosen Paul. We don't see his choice. A servant of Christ Jesus. Turn over to Titus chapter 1. Keep going toward the right. Titus chapter number 1. I'll wait on you. Titus chapter number 1. This is going to sound eerily familiar to Romans chapter 1. Are you ready? Paul, a doulos, a... A uh, a bond servant, one who cannot repay the debt. Paul, a servant of God. And an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect. And the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. A bond servant of God and one who was sent out by Jesus the Christ. He's already made his choice. I'm going to serve. Really? Who are you going to serve? I'm going to serve God. In Romans, he says, I'm going to serve Jesus the Christ. Now look over at Philippians chapter number 1. And now, in this particular book, he pulls in a guy with him. He's speaking for a guy here. Notice this. Paul and Timotheus. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, 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 wait. Just a second. Did the one that we know as Timothy, as Timotheus, did he, did he sign off on this? Yes. He signed off on this. When? When he was raised to walk in newness of life. Notice what it says. Paul and Timotheus, the servants, the bond servants, the ones who cannot repay the debt of Jesus Christ. Who are they servants to? To all the saints in Christ, which are in Philippi, and the bishops and the deacons. I thought Paul was a servant to God. He is. I thought Paul was a servant to Jesus, to Christ. He is. Are you telling me Paul is also a servant to the saints? He is. All of that idea is included in the idea of being a servant to God. Would I I be a servant to the Father and not to the Son? You tell me how that makes sense. Would I be a a servant to the Father and not to His children? Tell me how that makes sense. It's also Jude The brother of Jesus the Christ, James, the half brother of Jesus Christ, both of those men, and Peter, who would all call themselves servants of God and or servants of Jesus the Christ. Why is that? Listen, brethren, to be a child of God in the in the New Testament is to be a slave. You're going to have to pick. You're going to be a slave. Romans chapter 6, 16 and 17. You just got to pick which one. I am not your slave. Jesus Christ would say, yes, you are. Because you signed the bond. His master must take him before the judges. Take him to the doorpost pierce his ear with an awl. Notice this last phrase, and he will be his servant for life. Do me a favor. Feel your ear. You got a hole in it? It's a yes or a no. The question is not necessarily do you have a hole in it, as much as it is, are you a servant of God? If you are, then you will. But if you are not, you just feel an ear. There is no puncture wound, there is no hole. As a matter of fact, that would mean then there is nothing that would immediately tell everyone around you that you're a servant of God. The Christian life, the New Testament Christian life means that I'm going to be a slave to something. The little nine-year-old and ten-year-old boys could not be more wrong even when they tried to convince me not to bathe because they had been in the pool. You're going to be a slave to something. Today's the day to choose which one it is. You're going to be a slave to self and desires and sinfulness and worldliness because you can choose that. That is a choice that is possible for you to choose. You can forget anything and everything that you know about God's Word, and you can walk right out this building, and you can live a life that that is heathenistic as far as you want to take it. You can make that choice. But I need you to understand before you walk right out this door, you're still going to stand before God. Or you take advantage today of God's grace and His mercy, and you can have a hole punched in your ear. And you can become His slave for the rest of your life. And guess what? On that final day, you can stand before God. Yep, just like the other guy, only with a different relationship. When you stand before God, your master, the Father, You can hear words very similar to this. You did really well. You did really well. I know it was tough. I know you had some ups and you had some downs, but you did really well. Would you like to hear God say words like, I appreciate you? I'm grateful for the things that you did for me there. He, you're never going to hear that unless you are his slave. We're not going to take you toward, to a doorpost, and we're not going to punch a hole in your ear literally. But you can become his servant by hearing what he has to say and believing those things. You can become his servant by repenting of your sin, confessing Jesus as the Christ, and being baptized, having your your sins washed away, and being raised to walk in a newness of life. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. You can do that today and be his servant. You say, well, preacher, I have, but, you know, I found a great way to cover that hole up. You know, you put on those uh, wireless headphones today. They're the big ones. And you cover all your ear up and no one ever has to see. I found a way to cover it up. Why? Are you ashamed of life eternal? Why are you covering it up? Come back home. Uncover your ear. Show the world you have a hole punched in it. Do those things right now while we stand and sing. No.